Is there room in your heart for a king? I can tell you right now that for those of you who can say yes to that and who know that king in your heart, you have a joy that the rest of the world doesn't have access to. They have a happiness, as Greg talked about. They have fleeting moments that are better than others, but we have access to something that is much deeper than that. We have access to joy. How many of you have had something that have brought you what you would say is joy this week? Anybody? Raise your hands real high. Be proud. Someone tell me what it is. What brought you all joy this week? Grandson? Okay. Somebody else? The snow. Okay. If you lived in Parkersburg, you didn't get that joy this week. So, Some of you were here and got the snow and still didn't feel that joy, I'm sure. Anybody else? Christmas cards? Okay. Let me show you a picture. This is what I was doing yesterday morning. That's my beautiful wife and my lovely granddaughter that was born yesterday morning at 9.30. Her name is Ellie, and uh, I'm missing her terribly this morning, and I'm going to shoot out of here when I'm done and go straight back to Camden Clark Hospital to hold her again. And that had brought me an incredible amount of joy this weekend. We all have those things in our life that bring us joy. But the fact is, is those are all circumstances. And joy is available to us, as Greg has already said in the Advent presentation, regardless of our circumstances, as hard as that is for us to comprehend. Would you join me in a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts to talk about joy this morning? Father, we do thank you and praise you for Advent. For this time where we anticipate with excitement the coming of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we remember and we read the, the accounts from the shepherds and the angels and from Mary and Joseph. And we just love this time of year, Lord, because we get a sense of the excitement that people who were present in the birth of Christ experienced as they went to see him. But Lord, as we look back, we have that great benefit of hindsight to know that not only did he come into our world in that manger, but that he came into our world to save us from our sins, to die on the cross and to be resurrected. And we have the advantage, Lord, of being excited about the second advent, the second coming. And so this morning I pray that, that we will understand a little bit more about what it means to be excited about the joy that you give us. And Lord, we will be the people that you call us to be as a result, and that we will make a difference in the world, that we will share that joy with those who have none this day. And it's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. We've been in this series, we've been talking about Christmas, it's all about the presence, and presence being with a C-E and not a, not a T-S. And, and we've talked so far about the fact that, that uh, Christmas is all about the presence because Christ has come, and, and we have the presence of love and the presence of hope as a result. And, and today, as we have been talking about all morning, we're going to look at the fact that, that we also are gifted and blessed this season because we have the presence of joy. And, and what you need to know about not only just joy, but also about all the other gifts of Advent and the coming of Christ himself is that, is that this is not just kind of a, a little bit of a difference that Jesus made in the world. We're not celebrating this love and this hope and this joy as kind of, well, this made a, a little bit of difference in this dismal world that we live in. And we're celebrating the fact that this made a huge difference in, in our lives. 
My middle daughter's engaged, and, and she has moved back home in the last nine months, and her fiancé lives in our hometown, and he's at my house all the time. He lays on my couch, he watches my big screen TV, he eats my food, you know, he disciplines my dog, he does just about everything. He's pretty much just there all the time. I love him to death. And I know these are recorded, so I love him to death, you know, and... Uh, but he's there all the time. Uh, here's the thing. When I know he's coming over, I don't clean the house for him. When I know he's coming over, I don't put on nice clothes to welcome him into my home. I, I don't care at all what's going on in my house because he's always there. He's just a kind of a normal fixture in the house. But if I've got someone important coming over, someone who I think is some sort of a dignitary or, or uh, the owner of the company I work for is flying in, actually sitting at the airport right now waiting on me to pick him up after church over here in Bridgeport, and he's coming to my house to stay. Now, for that reason, we cleaned the house a little bit extra this week. We, we got the room made up that he's going to stay in with us for the next four or five days. And when we talk about Christ coming into the world, we're, we're not talking about just kind of a, a little bit of change. We're talking about he came into this world and he changed changed everything. We're talking about a major invasion of the world by God himself. And, and when we talk about experiencing his presence in our life with a CE, we're talking about a major invasion as well. We're not talking just about clean the house up a little bit. We're not talking about change things around a little bit, but we're talking about the presence of love and the presence of hope and the presence of joy. The presence of Christ himself changes everything. It's an exciting thing we celebrate this season. It's a major thing we celebrate this season. Look with me, if you will, at Luke chapter 2. We've read through this a little bit already, but I want to read um, chapter 2 starting in verse 8. And we're going to read down through verse 20. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of what? Say it real loud. Good news of what? Great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that scripture that I have read over and over and over and over again in my life, when I really pay attention to it, there is an excitement and an enthusiasm going on in this passage. 
People are experiencing joy in this passage. People are excited about what's happening in this passage. The shepherds are hurrying to go tell the news. They are amazed. People are amazed when they hear what the shepherds have to say. The angels are, are praising him with an amazing host of praise. And yet sometimes we, I think, when we look at this and we think about the joy of Christ coming into our life, the love and the peace and Christ himself, we just kind of think, yeah, it's nice that we have Jesus. It's not nice that we have Jesus. It is absolutely amazing that we have the opportunity to have the presence of Christ in our life. Amen? And that's the way we ought to be living our life every day. Now, if you think about the joy in this passage and the joy in the scene that we see, it really begs the question, what really changed when Christ came into this world? When we go back and we see all of this, all of this joy stuff going on, what, what we see is that the anticipation and the excitement of the coming of the Messiah has been realized. This thing that they have been promised has been realized. This thing that God has said is going to happen has now come true, and the Messiah has now come. They've got joy down in their hearts. Do you remember that song? Any of you sing that song? Joy, joy down in my heart. Sing it. Oh, wow. Go. Where? Good job. Good job. Some of you were singing that like you really believe it. Some of you looked like you absolutely didn't believe it at all. Some of you look like you just ate a pickle or something when you started singing it, you know? And it isn't it the truth. I know some people, and, and I agree with, with what we shared uh, uh, during the Advent wreath. I agree completely that joy and happiness are not the same thing. But I want to tell you this. I've never known someone who's been miserable their whole life that really had the joy of Christ. We don't have to be happy all the time. We can be sad. We can be depressed. We can be down. Our circumstances can absolutely be horrible. And those are real, but we can still have the joy of Christ. And it doesn't take all of that away, but it offsets that. And we know even in the midst of that sorrow, we know even in the midst of that depression, we know in the, even in the midst of that trial that I've got something in here that nothing can overcome. And it is the joy of Christ in my life. And I know Christians who are the most miserable people I've ever seen in my life. And they tell me, remember that song? Yeah. Well, I got the joy down in my heart, right? It doesn't have to show on my face. It doesn't have to show in my life. You tell me, do you know people who really have that joy in their heart that it doesn't at least come out every now and then? Huh? No. Why are Christians so miserable? Why do people who follow Christ... Why are they some of the most miserable people in the world? Well, I think they've missed out on this joy. If we take a little bit closer look at the idea of joy in the Christmas story, what we see there is that joy is the result of good news, right? Good news is being proclaimed, and this good news is bringing joy to all who are hearing it. How, how many of you all have ever received good news in your life? Anybody ever have a medical test run, and you're worried, sick, and you walk into the doctor's office, and the doctor says, look, Mr. So-and-so, I'm glad to tell you, you have no problems, right? What's that feel like? That's incredibly joyful, isn't it? 
no matter what else is going bad in your life, it can't take away from that, can it? No matter what else is happening, you've just heard this good news that is incredible for you. Maybe it's financial and it's good news and you know what, what's, uh, something's going to not stress you anymore. But the problem is in our sinful and fallen world, the opposite happens to us. We get bad news after bad news after bad news, day after day after day. I have in my pocket right here an iPhone. I have on my wrist an iWatch. I'll check the time three or four times while I'm preaching today, and you'll think that I'm in a hurry, but actually I'm getting ESPN updates, and I look at them. I'm getting CNN updates, and I look at them. When my, when my, I don't read them, but I, I have this habit. When it vibrates, I look at it, and I'm not checking the time all the time. There are updates. Probably the worst things that ever happened to me. I sign up for CNN updates and other news agency updates. Comes on my phone, comes on my computer, comes on my watch. And hardly ever is it good news. It's almost always bad news that's happening somewhere in our world. We are inundated with bad news. And then so much of our good news is temporary. Like going to that doctor. Because three weeks later and you have another medical problem, that's all worn off, hasn't it? Three weeks later and you have another financial crisis, that good news is all worn off. Our good news is just incredibly temporary. You remember the Ann Murray song? What did she say? I what? Sure could use, y'all remember this, a little what? Good news when? Today. We don't need a little good news today. What we need is great news that is to all people for eternity. See, that's the great thing about the good news that we see at Christmas. The shepherds didn't hear this little good news that wears off after a day. It, it didn't have just help overwhelm their bad news. They had heard good news they had been waiting on, good news they had been counting on, good news that was forever. Things would never, ever, ever again be the same. Hebrews 10, 12 through 14, since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever. Hear that word? Forever those who are being made holy. My favorite spiritual Christmas movie, Christmas Vacation. Right? When Clark gets the entrance into the Jelly of the Month Club and Eddie says what? It's the gift that keeps giving Year or month after month all year long, Clark, right? That's the good news of Christ. It's the gift that when you wake up the next morning, it's still the good news. When you get that bad news from the doctor, it's still good news. When you're at the end of your life and you've had a good 80 years or 50 years or whatever it might be, it's still good news. When your wife leaves you, it's still good news. When your kids are rebelling, it's still good news. When your finances go south, it's still good news. It doesn't take away all the sorrow of the circumstances, but down here, where it counts, you can wake up every morning and say, no matter what happens, Jesus still is present in my life. And because of that, I have access to joy. Listen to Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. <clears throat> because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. 
They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know about you, but that is good news. That is good news. That was proclaimed to the shepherds as being for who? All the people. But also proclaimed unto who? You. Personally. To every single one of you. And this good news results in what the scripture says is not just joy, but great joy. And if you look at this, this is not just the English uh, translations kind of adding to it, but it really is there in the Greek. It, it is joy, which literally means to cause cheer and to spell gloom. And it is great, which is something bigger or larger or more important than others. And so it is this joy that is greater than any other joy that you can experience in your life. It, it's not euphoric happiness because everything is going my way. It is a proclamation made to you in the midst of every time you face, in the midst of Israel's situation of the time, in the midst of the world's situation at the time, and every time after that, it is proclaimed to all of us that you have access, because of this good news, to great joy in your life. I had a friend from this area who grew up here and moved to Parkersburg. And man, oh man, oh man, he was a pain in my side for years. He was very emotional and very opposed to almost everything this young pastor did at South Parkersburg Baptist Church. And he hollered at me, and he screamed at me, and he slammed doors on many occasions because he didn't like the direction we were going as a church. And one day he walked down the aisle in front of the church, and he looked at me with tears in his eyes, and he said, I went to a conference this weekend, and he said the leader of the conference was saying we ought to do this as a church, and we ought to do that as a church, and he said I kept raising my hand with pride saying, well, we're doing that, and Every time I raised my hand, I realized we were doing it, but I was against it and had argued about it. And so he said, I'm here to confess and ask forgiveness and tell you I love you and I want to work with you as, as much as I can. And I looked at him and I hugged him and I said, you know what? The fact is, you have been an absolute pain for a lot of years. And he know it. I had told him that. But I love you and I've always respected you. Let me tell you why I respected him. He lost his son. His son was only 30 years old. Had a couple of kids, died in a car wreck. Two days after he lost his son, he, he stood up in a group full of people with tears in his eyes and completely brokenhearted, and he said, I don't know how I'm ever going to go over this pain, but I know this, I still have the joy of the Lord in my heart. And because of that, I want to tell you all, this is what my son meant to me, and that you need to go love your kids and tell your kids you love them as a result of that testimony and the way he talked to people. There were all kinds of parents and kids reconciled after the death of his son. 
He had a breathing disease. He had oxygen everywhere he went. He couldn't hardly breathe. But he never missed an opportunity to go speak for the Lord, to go do something for the Lord. I respected him even when he didn't agree with me, even when he was hollering and screaming at me because I knew in the midst of all the horrible circumstances he had been in in his life, he still knew the joy of the Lord. And the world doesn't understand that. Maybe you don't understand that. But if you got Christ in your heart, you do. If you're letting him be number one, you do. Because that good news shines through the darkness of all the bad in your life. Look at Paul, beaten and imprisoned for his faith. In Philippians 1, 14 through 18, he says, Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I what? Rejoice. Wow. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And that doesn't mean, like I've heard some people translate, that everything in your life is going to be successful according to your definition of success. It doesn't mean that you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. It doesn't mean any of that nonsense that the world preaches. But what it means is that in the midst of all the bad you're going to encounter, there's always a goodness because Christ is in your life. In the midst of all, all the sorrow, there's always a joy because he is there. In the midst of all the tumultuousness, there's always a peace because you know him. In the midst of all the hatred, there's always a love. Not every day is good, but there is good in every day. Now, let me just finish with this. Some of you are sitting out there and you're like in your head going, yeah, I agree. I, I know that because I know Christ, I should have joy, but I don't. Why not? Well, here, here's what I think. When you look at the Christmas story, the people that are experiencing this joy are people who are keeping their eyes on the Savior. The shepherds had to go see Christ for themselves. In, in Philippians chapter 4, Paul explains his kind of kind of attitude when he says, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, we really need to quit focusing on and dwelling on all of the junk and the crap in our lives and start focusing and dwelling on the greatest gift ever given. His name is Jesus and he brings us truth and he brings us peace and he brings us hope and he brings us love and he brings us joy. I had a granddaughter born yesterday morning at 9.30 at 11 o'clock. I was mad in the hallway of the hospital at something someone did. And I'm walking down the hallway of the hospital on the phone and I suddenly realized I had a granddaughter born an hour and a half ago, and she's back there. There is nothing this person can do that should take that joy away from me. And guess what? They can't unless I make the decision to let them. 
What are you focused on every day? Are you seeking Christ? Joy is meant for every one of you. I don't want you to fake being happy. I don't want you to think I'm talking about a power of positive thinking kind of nonsense. What I want you to go away with is this. If you really want to know the joy of Christ, get in Christ's path. Get close to him. Talk to him. Walk with him. Have faith in him. And watch what happens. Happiness is a thermometer that surrounds, that responds to the conditions around it. Joy is a thermostat that influences those conditions. Won't you know the joy of Christ today? Pray with me.